Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with the co-creator and star of the critically acclaimed HBO Max series, Southside. Please welcome Sutan Salahuddin. What's up, everybody? <laughs> how y'all doing? Welcome to the experience. <laughs> I like I like that's how we, we start off. Um, so before we get too, too deep into it, um, mm-hmm. I want to uh, start off with very general question. Um, you know, like let, let's let's talk about you know growing up and growing up in Chicago. Let's talk about that a little bit. So tell us those kind of like those those points and those those really interesting things that um, kind of made uh, growing up for you like memorable and all. Uh, that's a very good question. Well, um, first of all, I just like to throw out there that I had some really strong and good parents, and that's one of the reasons that I am who I am today. They took a a, um, a big interest in my success early on. And we're, you know, providers and guiders and disciplinarians and uh, exposed me to a lot of things growing up. Um, so from that perspective, I feel fortunate as it relates to growing up in Chicago. I mean, you know, it's a big city. Yeah. It was wild. There were gangs. There were there were things a normal person wouldn't see just around the neighborhood. Um, so every time I would go outside, I would gain a little bit more. I would gain, excuse me, a little bit more street intelligence. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there was uh, basketball was really big in my neighborhood as a kid. So we started out playing well, basketball and baseball, actually. So we would play um, wall ball, which is basically you, you draw a square on a wall in the alley and and somebody would pitch. And any ball that goes inside that square is a strike and anyone outside is a ball. And you play, you know, and not until the sun went to the sun went down. We also played a lot of uh, crate basketball where you cut the bottom out of the milk crate and tack it up to the uh or rim depending on you know what was available a rim to an old bike and tack it up on a uh, on a light pole or electricity pole if you will um the old wood old redwood you know what i'm talking about yeah, i know you're talking about and then we would shoot that for hours as we got older people started dunking then we went to the big courts um and then so there was a lot of candy shops you know and uh today you really can't you really don't have those as much as because a lot of kids get kidnapped and all that stuff but when i was a kid you know it was can't and it was three around my house. I remember on one block, because this block called Kerfoot, there were like, it was three candy stores on that one block. So that was really good. Um, and I have a lot of family in Chicago, so I always had a support yeah. system as it relates to like cousins, aunties, uncles. I come from a very large family. And uh, yeah, I mean, and outside of that, summer times were always the greatest. Winter times always sucked, just to be <laughs> all the way honest about it. Chicago winters are not the best. But you just makes you appreciate the summer that much more. And um, the people, man, the people is what really gave me. And what a lot of people don't know about people in Chicago is like people in Chicago are very, very uh, comfortable getting in your conversation, talking <laughs> to strangers, telling you about yourself, asking you questions. If they hear you talking, having a conversation, somebody can chime in. So growing up like that became the norm. And so you, you meet a lot of people like that. You get a lot of wisdom like that. And you, yeah. you get your... Uh, your skills as far as like, for lack of a better term, talking shit, being yeah. funny, staying on your P's and Q's. Yeah. Because um, sometimes you get into verbal verbal battles with people in there and, and a lot of strangers are really good. They'll, they'll dress you down from the top to the bottom based on what you're wearing, how you look, how you talk. And they got some really hot jokes. So you just got to make sure that, you know, you're yep. respectful. Um, and oh, the biggest thing is mind your business. I mean, I know that's <laughs> it's, it's contrary to what I just said, but you know, it's a different, it's different when you're being friendly and talking to somebody. But if you see a couple people fighting or getting it on, you just kind of, you know, keep walking, 
mind your business. That's the best way to stay safe in those situations. So, you know, <laughs> like any big city, like, you know, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Um, I, I think of in, in doing some of the research and, um, that those those sort of comparisons. Um, I see the Baltimore because that's where I'm based in the okay. Baltimore and Chicago thing, and mm-hmm. you know, just I, I remember because I've only been to Chicago maybe once or twice, and I went there for wrestling. You know, I went okay. there to watch some uh, like WWE, or you yeah. were part of a wrestling team, and you guys were in a tournament uh, for like WWE. It was AEW, oh, okay. and okay. Uh, okay. yeah, and it, and it was really cool to have you. Was trying to get as much. Um, culture exposure and all of that stuff in a short period of time, but yeah. it's on my list to go back to do like these sorts of interviews there. And I just remember awesome. it being used as almost like a, a fill-in kind of place, you know, mm-hmm. of, Hey, we want to say something politicized and we want to talk about black people, but we can't do it. So let's make it a city. And that's what Baltimore was running into as well. Mm-hmm. I think let's talk about all of the negative things, but not all these really cool cultural things that make up a place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's baked into the conversations I try to have. And what I've seen in um, doing the research for Southside, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like so many people from Chicago there, you and your brother yeah, having, know. yeah, yeah. You know? And so I want to start off. Somebody's I want to. I want to ask. Freezing up. No, we're still here. We're still here. I want to ask that second question. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Cool. What is your experience writing before, like writing uh, for television before Southside? Um, limited. Um, most of the time, I did writing for stand-up comedy. I was a stand-up comedian for several years, mm-hmm. and before doing Southside, and that's where I honed my skill on how to write jokes and how to put together a bit and all that other good stuff. Um, turn that into a set, so on and so forth. So that, but in addition to that, I did some creative writing. I did, uh, I wrote in college a few times, creative writing classes, uh, storytelling classes. I actually took some classes on creative writing because I think it's important. But I did all of that not knowing that I was going to be writing for television. I just did that because I was interested and my mom's made me. So, you know, the reality behind it is I had that experience in my back pocket And when it came time for writing for television, it was just more so learning the format and learning the structure of writing TV, which is not taught in anybody's school or anywhere. You either have an opportunity. You can go. Now, there are tons of books out there that you can look up and learn, but it's nothing like actually being in the experience. So this being season three in the writing room, I'm definitely I, I have definitely gotten a different set of chops than I have from season one. Uh, season one, I was definitely like, just I was it was just overwhelming in a yeah. sense that there was a lot of information that I had to learn on my own as well as keep up. Yeah. But I, I believe I totally believed in myself. But the other thing was, is like I went home and did homework just maybe like the first two weeks just to make sure that I was on the right page and that I understood things. And then as time progressed, you know, I was able to pick apart stories and really understand um, all the elements that needed to be in the story and how to actually make it a good story, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So. Um, all those things that I learned before kind of came back and and helped. But when you're actually in the mix, when the pressure's on and the clock is running and money's being spent, you want to definitely make sure that you have you know, you're up to snuff. So and you got to really care, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's not for me. It was never a job. Um, I didn't look at it like, yeah, I'm gonna go make some money writing right now. <laughs> it was like, yo, I'm writing on one of my favorite things I ever write on, which is Southside the show. And I can't believe this is happening. So I don't know if you've ever had that experience. It's like almost like living the dream. But when you're writing or when you're when you're working doing something that you didn't expect to happen per se, um, but you always kind of had that like this is going this is going to work. 
it, it just overwhelms you. And like you are eager to learn, you're eager to produce and you're eager to do well. And I think that just really, really pushed, pushed me over the edge and really got me um, where I needed to be as far as a ride on that level. And I just, I kept working at it really. Ultimately, I just kept working at it. You know, you just gotta, you gotta do that. And I had some opportunities too along the way, but a lot of good people, a lot of good friends, a lot of good opportunities, but ultimately I worked, I worked my butt off. So, yeah. I I love hearing that. I love hearing Mm -hmm. that. And, um, you know, much success because it it was, was, thank you. It's it's one of those things where when I like I've been excited for this conversation for months and oh, like cool. every person I've talked to I was like, you need to watch Southside. Why aren't you watching Southside? Watch Southside. <laughs> hey, we love that by the way. <laughs> so in, in creating the show, you know, with your brother and it's about your mm-hmm. hometown with with people that you've encountered, you so so tell me about like bringing it to conception, like bringing the show to conception and what sort of considerations are, are made when maybe writing a joke or maybe writing like an episode or, or even the season mm. while being wildly funny and entertaining, but also like doing right by your city. Right. Right. Um, that's a very good question. One of the first things that we set out when we were like putting the whole project together was like, we wanted to make sure, and I got to give credit to my brother for for this one. He says it's, it's a love letter to the city. In a sense that we we want to make sure that anybody who watches it from Chicago can appreciate the time and the energy that we put into it. But it also helps that we're from there. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. Like, uh, I can't imagine being able to be this successful writing a show for L.A. or Atlanta or New York and not being from there. There mm-hmm. are just so many idiosyncrasies and so many small things that are pertinent only to that city that people from there will get it or people from big cities to get it. So you may find the same funny, right? Yeah. But someone sitting beside you who's from Chicago will find it twice as funny because of some words that we use in a setting. <laughs> so you still hit all your audiences, but you know, it, it, it's nothing like that home cooking. I think the other thing we want to make sure is that we were um, dedicated to the funny of it all mm-hmm. more so than anything. Um, that was, I mean, a lot of great comedians, and Chicago is known as having a lot of comedic talent through yeah. stand up, through whatever, you, whatever it is. But we wanted to make sure that it, it was important that if anybody else was going to come do a comedy about Chicago, they had a high bar to measure up to right. and a high, a high standard, if you will. And that was really important with us. And then so even in the like when we come up with some of the names and some of the places and some of the scenes, we always take into consideration, number one, what's funniest. Number two, we want to make sure we do something original that no one else has done. Because there have been several times where we were in a writing room and, you know, great minds think alike. That is not a joke. And we would come up with concepts and someone would be like, oh, that was on this show. Oh, that was they did this on that show. So we would have to, like, completely not do it and, and really uh, lean into a different direction. The benefit to that is that there are things that are unique to Chicago sure. that aren't to other places that really allows us to, like, go off into those worlds uh, even more. Um more so than anything, I think one of the reasons that we went with the RTO model is because it allowed us to actually explore the city mm-hmm. simply because we're not just sitting in one building and people are coming and going because there are drop-offs and pickups and there are different elements to the show. We get to leave RTO, you get to see parts of Chicago, and you get to experience some of the people in other parts of the city. So like that for us was the perfect vehicle to yeah. not only explore the city, but get the comedy in, but show you that you know, I don't know if you guys have rent to own in your city. Yeah. Um, no, some they're mostly in urban major cities, um, and we have one one of my uh, good friends who plays Q on the show. He actually worked for Rent a Center for I want to say sixteen years, and 
a conversation turned into a writing session, which turned into a sale to Comedy Central, and now we're here. So nice. that is that. Those are the elements that um, were important to us as we started and moving forward. It's really important that we continue to raise the bar. And I'll tell you, uh, if you think season one of any show is hard, season two is harder than that, and season three is even harder because you got to come up with new things and new concepts that you didn't do before. You can't rely on, oh, we're going to use the old somebody walked in the room gag. Uh, you, don't, you don't get to do that. You got to actually put the time in and be funny. So um, that's some of the things that we take into consideration when creating the show. As well Absolutely. as everybody being, and I think this is a very important point, that everybody is dedicated, and I got to say this again, to the funny. Like, that's the, that's the North Star. It's got to be funny. Totally. And, um, you know, one of the episodes I always tell people to, to check out or what have you if they're on the fence and they're leaning. It's like, check out like Turner's and Brenda's Day Off. It was like, yeah, that's yeah. like, that's, that's, that's like, because my brother loves like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And he's like, yep. what is this about? And I was like, it's like four brothers on there. He's like, word? <laughs> that's always the selling point for him. He's like, black brothers and it's funny. He's like, I'm in. <laughs> Does he? What does he think about the show? Is he like, all right? Like, no, nah, he's a fan. He, he digs oh, it. Oh, uh, I love it. He's Tell a late adopter. What up? <laughs> Absolutely. Shout out to Rudy. Because if you said he wasn't a fan, I'd have been like, wah, wah. <laughs> but since he is, shout out to Rudy. You're in there, fam. Nah, Absolutely. Um, let's talk about uh, hobbies and side projects. Um, mm. Because I, I think like some people, they make those side missions, like they can be as good at the side missions as they are at the main thing. So tell me about any like side projects or like side like hobbies or things that take up your time outside of writing, outside of acting that you're like, you know what, this could be my next move if I really, you know, had that time. Side projects that, that could be my next move. There aren't any, man. I'm be uh, 100% focused. Sure. I'm super focused yeah. on once you get into a, a a groove in a spot like this, you want to stay there and you want to stay there as long as you can. And you want to keep going. Um, the, a lot of things that I do in my own time outside of like hiking and biking yeah. and then just working out and, and doing the best I can eating wise. Um, I do a lot of creative writing. Uh, I have several projects that right now I can't move forward with because there's a project that's a priority that I'm getting paid for. So all the rest of those kind of, just fall by the wayside until the next project is complete. I think, um, you know, I was, I'm of the mind state that everybody can make it to the league, but can you stay? Yeah. You have right. staying power. You no, know, there are tons and tons of really talented writers, but do they have what it takes to go to the next level, create another show, create another show after that, do something else. So for me, that's more of my focus. Um, I love being a creator in a sense that like, you know, no one else, in, in my opinion, is going to create a show that reflects my reality right? Or, or those that are from a place that I'm from. And so it's almost like a personal responsibility to provide that and to do it in a way where it's not exploited, um, in a way where it's funny, in a way that it's, uh, it, it brings people in. You can actually get uh, some feeling from behind it and, and just have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, my 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 passion is to do projects that I love and have fun with. If I'm not into it from the beginning, I'm just going to kind of I'm not going to kind of I just won't do it because um, yeah. I don't I don't I, I think the second that I'm writing for hire, if you will, it becomes a job. And, I, you know, I just I don't need a job. I just I need to be able to create and write stories and act and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, I try to outside of 
preparing for the next gig that I don't even know what it is. I don't know how it's going to come or when it's going to come. Sure. But I just focus and keep my my skills sharp and keep writing, come up with creative projects and and just enjoy laughing. Like my day, dude, I can't. <laughs> when I'm in a writing room, man, like when I go to people, it's such a blessing. When I go into the writing room, I'm pretty much laughing from the moment we start to the moment I leave. And then I get to go home and work on some more of that stuff. And then when we're shooting, I'm laughing from the moment. So like my life is full of laughter and that's really hard to replace that with anything. Cause you know, I'm big silly. I love, I love laughing. I love funny. Yeah. Um, that, that's one of the things that, uh, it's a really, really good gem there. Uh, when I'm taking yeah. from it, it's like, kind of like do what you're enjoying and yeah. just, and, and it's, it's funny because like I, you know, opportunities are presented and, you mm-hmm. know, paid gigs and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this podcast thing for like 13 years. Okay. And Congratulations to you. Thank you. <laughs> and when it turns around that it's like, Oh, here's a paid opportunity and so on. It is the thing that you were identifying a second yeah. ago. And do I like this? And it's like, I kind of like talking to interesting people and being able to kind of like chop it up and maybe steal a little bit from them of like how they approach their work or how they go through the day. It's really, this is just theft. This is gentleman theft, if anything. (laughs) You're welcome, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Dolph to the cap to you, sir. (laughs) No no problem at all. I I think you hit on a really good point, man. It's it's about doing what you enjoy. I I mean, ultimately, isn't that what it's all about? Yeah, 100%. And those paid projects. You got to watch those, man. Like, I think one of the hardest things, especially for anyone new in any business that you started, because once you start getting going, all of those things are going to come. They're distractions. So then you have to choose between what your goal was or versus someone else or something else saying, hey, you want to take a little nibble of this? (laughs) And that's, you know, for me, those turn into plan B's. And I just don't believe in plan B's. I don't I never had a plan B. I always go plan A all the way. And if that fails, create another plan A. That's 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 really a natural segue to this this next question that I have, oh, okay. and, and just just two more after this. Uh, yeah, sure. With a with a show that's been on like major networks, uh, Comedy okay. Central, HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about like the advantages and the disadvantages like of that, because I, I have I have this question in general of what are some of the benefits of being more obscure. And it's like you have less things to say no to. That's what I always were here. So yeah, tell me about some of those advantages and disadvantages. Um, let's see. Some of the advantage, some of the disadvantages is like you got to really watch because of the culture that we live in today. And I'm just being frank right now. You got to watch what you say. You got to watch all your social media. You got to watch. You got to kind of look at people through a filter and make sure that they have make sure that they are a person of integrity and that they care about themselves, because if they don't, then they don't care about you. Right. Um, this is a high wire act. And a lot of people don't tell uh new talent that or talent that like you can't you can't pop off the same way you used to pop off you can't get angry at the same you you can't you can't do some of the same things that you used to do um i also think there's another sense of responsibility as it relates to your audience like if i was to go out here and be a knucklehead and get myself in a bunch of trouble which would jeopardize season three then the fans would be disappointed. Everybody that I work with would be disappointed. The network would be disappointed. So there are a lot of variables that you just, a lot of things you have to really, really think about two and three and four times before you make that move. Also, it's just about like, it really lets you know who you are as an individual. Yeah. Like you get to do it. I get to do a self-check almost every day. Like, oh, am I, what, what am I standing for? What am I about? Um, because especially here in LA, any of the, any of the 
bad things, if you will, or any habits or any of the stuff that you're into, it's out here plentiful. Yeah. So you got to be able to manage that and don't be your own worst enemy. I think that's really, really important, whether it's how you speak to someone, what kind of parties you go to, uh, what you wear, you know, uh, to what you eat, to, to, you know, how you treat strangers, all of that stuff. It really, really matters, especially on this level, because the interesting thing, the, one of the one of the hardest things for me to get used to is when the show first started airing. When it, when it first aired, it was just kind of like, oh, these little guys from Southside. But when they made the jump to HBO Max, it was like every five feet in certain places. And then you have to realize, like, yo, this is the life I chose. Mm-hmm. And I have to be on even when I don't feel like it. And not in a fake way, but still, like, when somebody's coming up to you to tell you that they really enjoy the show and their eyes are lit up with a smile and their faces lit up with a smile and they want to take a picture and it's with their mama and their cousin, you got to kind of be ingratiating of that. Like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, no problem. Because ultimately, that experience is going to travel to five other people who are going to be tuned on to the show. And ultimately, that's what you want, more viewers yeah. as it relates to the show. Also, you know, I mean, who doesn't want to be treated well? I think everybody Absolutely. does. And so that's where that comes from. Some of the advantages are you get considered for a lot of other opportunities. Obviously, you get into the public light. People, you know, it's funny. People believe what they see on TV. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. <laughs> people believe what they see on TV. And that's not a diss. It's just that you gotta, you have to understand that, that sometimes when people see you on television, they really think you live that life. They really think they know you. They really think that, you know, they know things about you. So you have to remember that when you're talking to strangers, when you're meeting new celebrities, when you're at parties and stuff like that, or you're networking, that's a big thing. It's really important. You got to continue to network, which goes back to our previous question. You got to keep networking. But I think ultimately it's just, you know, they, some of the advantages are a lot of like you get comp for things. There's a whole other world that exists for people who, you know, are in the television, on TV and stuff like Like you have no idea. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But again, even with that, you have to, in my opinion, you just got to, you know, all things with moderation. You can't just be out here like a, a pig at the sloth. You got to <laughs> just kind of be like, all right, cool. I get it. And then and then I think the most important thing, like and I, we mentioned this a little bit, is like know how to say no, man. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to want a piece of you. They're going to have, everybody's going to have opportunities. It's going to go from friends to families to strangers. It's it's okay. Just learn how to say no, because there are only so many minutes in a day. And most of those minutes, a lot of those minutes you're sleeping. So you got to make sure that, you know, you manage your time and your energy and, and just, you know, take only on what you take, take on only what you can manage and have a goal too. That's important. You got like, what, what do I, where am I going? Like, yeah. I'm not just out here. What's next? So. Again, almost uh, segue-ish uh, to this, mm-hmm. this this final real question before we get those rapid-fire ones in. All right, cool. Uh, so creating television, writing pitches, it's long hours, lots of work uh, that goes in at long days. And, you know, as a person my, myself that, you know, I might do 15 interviews in a week and I, I have okay. a day job. So it's just like oh, wow. you don't yeah, have balance. You're getting it in. So the, the question I have for you is what sorts of practices for you? And I, and I think you touched on it a little bit, but what sorts of practices for you are regenerative? Oh, very good question. Sleep, taking mm-hmm. naps. Um, fortunately I can take a nap throughout the day if I so choose, uh, hiking, biking, yeah. um, going to comedy shows and just sitting there listening to people do comedy, um, having good conversations with other writers about projects. Um, you know, just, uh, and quiet time. I also yeah. listen to a lot of uh, stoic quotes. I don't know if you ever heard of those before, but stoic, S-T-O-I-C quotes. 
Mm-hmm. Check those out when you get some time. There's a there's a guy on uh, YouTube. It's called um, I think it's Red Frost. Yeah. Um, but he has a, produces a bunch of stoic quotes. I listen to those because they really help ground me and help me remember what's what's uh, what's important, as well as continuously challenge my mind so I don't get lost in all of this. Oh, I'm doing TV. No, like that's <laughs> you know that's great and all, but at the yeah. end of the day, people still want their rent paid. People still want their you know they still want their money. So um and you know family's still there and traveling is still there and all that good stuff so you you know you still got to do all those normal things in life but that's some of the things that i i do also listen to like um uh they're called hertz mm-hmm. like if you go on youtube there it's like uh tesla's 369 i think it's 456 megahertz or something like that but these are certain vibrations yeah. that i will meditate to for like i don't know 30 minutes out the day sometime just to help with when i find myself searching for the next creative segue sometimes i will step away from what i'm writing and then just put on some kind of vibrational ambient music that's really not music it's just like tones and uh frequencies if you will i'll listen to those and you know they'll help me get back to a place of okay what am i looking for because it's there sometimes you have so many i have so many thoughts in my head that i I can't even figure out what i want to use so um those are some things that are, are really really good for me Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I, uh, I've been taking down notes. So, okay, <laughs> you know, indeed. shout out to you. So in, in these last few moments here, I got some rapid okay. fire questions for you. Um, All right. And I, as I give to everyone, even you, even even the, the, the greatness that is you, uh, <laughs> everyone gets the Working preface of don't overthink it, don't overthink it, don't overthink it. All right, it. cool. No doubt. All right. We're seeking music, music only here uh, for this okay. first question. Prince or Michael Jackson? Oh, I got to go with Michael, dog. Okay. He's been doing it longer. Think about yeah. it. He's been doing it since he was a kid. True. And vocally speaking, there's really no comparison. I mean, Prince is a dope artist. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Salutes to Prince, but when you're going to go verse for verse, vocal for vocal, we're talking 1985 on the stage, <laughs> man. With the diamond socks, moonwalking, change the world. Are you kidding me? Prince is dope, but Michael Jackson, yo, Michael Jackson was singing with Diana Ross when he was like, what, six? You're not wrong. You're not wrong here. You're right. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's a... All right, Michael Jackson on that one. Um, Nickname you had when you were younger? Oh, Speedy. Okay. Baseball. If you could travel back in time, which period would you go to? Ooh. I want to say the Mesolithic period, but I just made that word up and it's not real. So... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'd like to go back to... Not too far. Because it wasn't dope. It wasn't dope. <laughs> no, actually, I'd like to go back to like, uh, if I could, for a day, I'd go back to when settlers were coming across, the, the pilgrims were coming across the land, yeah. only so I can see how many Native Americans or how, how many indigenous, let me rephrase that, how many indigenous people, because it wasn't just Native Americans. There were many, many different cultures sure. that were here. Um, just to see it from their perspective, like who are these wagons and why are they coming across and like what that lifestyle was like. Like I was really interested in seeing that for the first time. Like what? So yeah. Yeah. Get that, get the, uh, the grandness or the ungrandness of what was right, happening. Like, the uh-oh. scope. <laughs> uh-oh, what's going on here? Sap, something's new coming guys. So. <laughs> and here's the last one. This one might be All the right. most controversial one, but who knows? Uh, okay. Underappreciated Chicago food. Ooh. Pizza. I mean, pizza, dude. A lot of people, especially people from New York, they're like, nah, that ain't no pizza. I'm like, yo, your thin slices and your corner <laughs> delis, that's great. 
That's great. I, I, I can completely appreciate that. But if you haven't had deep dish in Chicago, oh, the, the, the deep dish pizza. Also, another place, Doc's Fish. Okay. Ooh, Doc's Fish. When you go to Chicago, go to 35th, right off of uh, King Drive, and go to Doc's and get you a fish wish, a number one fish wish. Oh, my God. I could taste it right now. I'm salivating. Yeah, it's delicious. So, yeah, I, I, fish I was- I will say that I was late. I was nearly late for a flight because me and one of my buddies that went to this wrestling show I referred to earlier okay. popped over because we didn't get any deep discs. We got some. We stuffed it down our gullets and then ran for the flight. And I was like, this was a mistake, but this was delicious. It was a delicious yeah. mistake. The yeah. order was the issue more than the actual food. Do you obviously. remember what uh, what restaurant you got the pizza from? It, it was it was close to the airport. I saw I can okay. really think of. Yeah. It was, was it, okay, was it Midway or O'Hare? Uh, this was O'Hare. Okay, yeah, that, yeah. I don't know what that, which one that could have been, but yeah, cool. Yeah, I think that's a lot of people like try to hate on our pizza, but they know it's the best. Come on, <laughs> then you go to Portillo's. Uh, Portillo's, oh my god, <laughs> really good. Have you had their uh chocolate shake, Cho- chocolate cake shake? No, <laughs> dude, they take a piece of chocolate cake. Big ass piece. <laughs> Throw it in the blender, put it with some ice cream, and turn it into a shake for you. And then no. you wake up with diabetes. But it's so good, though. It's worth it. <laughs> so with that, um, I want to thank you for being on this podcast, indulging me. This was Indeed. this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Bob Lee. <laughs> and I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks, um, one, to, to obviously watch Southside, but tell the fine yeah. folks, it, the floor is yours. Any message you want to share with the fine folks as we wrap up here? Um... You know, I think it's important that everybody listen to their heart and do what makes them most happy. Also, um, really quickly, I have a nonprofit organization called Lane44.org, and and the whole purpose of that uh, nonprofit is to provide the youth of Chicago an opportunity to work in the film industry behind the camera um, and get some experience there in the neighborhood. So we make films in the community. And then outside of that, I just I wish everybody uh, health and wealth and take care of yourself and make yourself a priority. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Sutan Salahuddin from HBO Max's Southside for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there is culture in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.